0: Um, you know, when, the, when it turned the uh, year 2020, who could have imagined how this year would unfold, unfold like this? I don't think anybody could have really uh, just come close to imagining it like this. And many of us, some of us, really have gone through some devastating times and they went through really, uh, really difficult experiences this past year. And others of us are still going through it this year. It's really, an, uh, uh, it's really a uh, forgettable year for just about all of us. We just can't wait to get this year over with. And here we are, on the last Sunday of 2020, bruised and challenged like no other, with a still uncertain future ahead of us. Even with a vaccine, right? I mean, I haven't really followed um, this uh, couple uh, months. It's been pretty uh, hectic and crazy. So I haven't really followed. But even with uh, the things that I hear from people, so I thought, you know, in my mind, when uh, back in, you know, early on in spring and summertime, you know, oh, once a vaccine comes and everything will go back to normal, and so that was my expectation. Yeah, everybody gets, you know, vaccinated, and we're good, just like, you know, when we get the flu shot. And yet, it is still very uncertain, even with a vaccination, right? And, um... Yeah, it's, uh... It's, a diffi- it's been a difficult year, and we still have... We still have... Just, we just do not have any control or, or knowledge of what's going to happen. And... Um, you know, in, in the midst of all this, as we look back, you know, and for me too, you know, one of the most concerning trends uh, from this prolonged pandemic is, that I see even as a pastor, is, you know, the people that are falling through cracks, uh, even at our church. Um, I think people are really getting used to this isolation, right, uh, and social distancing, and then basically it leads to isolation. And that can really become a habit. Right? I remember like when I was in um, college, my first year in college, uh, I don't know what, what, what I was thinking. I signed up for all this eight o'clock, eight in the morning, morning classes, my first year, first semester. And I was like, oh my gosh, what have, what have I done? Right. I mean, a couple of them, it was a you know, mandatory courses. So I had no choice. And they headed at eight in the morning. And so, you know, you would just like wake up Right before the class, and just put your cap on, and then roll out of the bed, and then just walk into the class. So I was doing that for uh, just first month or so, since I was just so fresh, right? And then, and then I re- realized, and then I just started like you know waking up little later and later. And then there's this couple classes I started cutting, right? Okay, you know I've done that too. Um, so and then once it started happening, slowly I was like. Okay, I, you know, I just, you know, just get it from my friends or something, you know. Even if I go there, I just doze off and things. And so I said, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, just cut class. And so that has become a an habit. And I think that's what's happening uh, with some of us. Some people that I try to uh, reach out to, call them, no response, right? i was like, hey, how you doing, you know? Are you holding up okay? Uh, is anything happening? Or, you know, how, how can I pray for you and things like that? Some people, no response. If, no callback, no emails. So I'm just, like, kind of concerned. And I kind of just barge in, right? I just kind of just bang on the door and say, hey, I, I demand to talk with you. So that's been uh, what's been happening uh, to some of us, I'm, I'm afraid. And I think oftentimes we think that maybe I'm just trying to just uh, get into their mindset, some of, some of the people's mindset, and maybe because possibly it's because maybe think it's just about me and Jesus kind of thing. Oh, I'm a Christian. It's because I believe in Jesus, right? Because we live in a very individualistic culture, and so we think that it's just me and Jesus, and that's all that matters, that we don't, the church, yeah, it's just uh, something that, it's an optional thing. Right, especially during this time of pandemic, it's optional. Yeah, and it's you know we can have every reason to say why we don't have to go. Right, we can just simply watch it online. And so once again, I, I'm not to uh, you know shame or anything. I'm just trying to think some other people. I know there are people who really need to be uh, to stay home. And I fully understand that. And then maybe there are some of us uh, who. Do not really have to stay home, but, you know, maybe that's what may be going through their mind. Just online service is good enough. Uh, but, you know, the important question that we have to really consider is the question of, like, who do we believe, obviously, in Christ? But also, did the question of belonging right, belong somewhere? Scripture makes it clear that we are created to be in community, especially The community of faith. And one of the most basic needs that that we have as human beings is this sense of belonging. We have to belong somewhere. That's how we are created, by God. Because if you do not belong anywhere, then it will really affect us greatly. Many of us may have seen the movie Castaway, right? Tom Hanks, you guys know that movie? Like he's uh, basically... um, you know, he survives the, the plane crash. He ends up in a, in a deserted island all by himself. And he's hoping that it would somebody would just come and rescue him. But, you know, soon that uh, hope is gone. And so the only thing that he's left with, and he has to learn to survive, and basically he has to, you know, basically, because he doesn't have anyone to to interact with, you know, he one day he finds a volleyball, right? Wilson, right? Wilson made volleyball. So he just starts talking to him. Hey, Wilson, how are you doing? Right? And he just makes a conversation with a volleyball. And there's a part that I really just said to me was uh, the part where he finally decides to just uh, take the plunge and just you know venture out into the sea, right? And see what happens. He just he just had it. Right? He just couldn't stay in that island by himself and just left to die. So I say. You know, he decides to go out there, and then he barely makes it out. And while he just, you know, sleeps, that volleyball because of the uh, the waves and whatnot, it uh, you know falls off the 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 the, dra- uh, the, the thing that he has made. And um, by the time he wakes up, it's gone. And he's like, Wilson, where are you, Wilson? And just he's just crying, and he's just like trying to look for the long gun volleyball, Wilson. But that's how we are, that as human beings, we are created to be in community. We are created to be in a relationship. So that's why we belong to many different types of groups and organizations. We have our circles of friends. And some people, some young people, they join gangs because they want to feel belong. They want to feel accepted. That's how we are. And we still, we all long for significant and meaningful relationships, not just superficial thing, uh, relationships. But oftentimes, even though we crave and we desire deep and long for deep, uh, meaningful relationships, and yet we find ourselves in shallow relationships. We may have a lot of acquaintances around us. We have people, even at church, we have people that we can say hi to, we can uh, talk about sports, we can talk about, you know, home decor or just whatever, you know, the, uh, just the real estate market and what have you, politics. But we may not have people that we can just talk really deep stuff. What's truly in our hearts, even though we want that, we don't have many of those people with or meaningful relationships. And sometimes, even among the the closest pe- that, the, the, the people that you are supposed to be, our spouses, our family members, we still may have some difficult time communicating and connecting with each other. And that's why, you know, that even you know, in, in the ma- marriages, it can be very difficult. And oftentimes, because we are, tra- oftentimes we are trained to be independent, we have to be really independent, be the problem solvers, so we try to solve things and problems in isolation and independently. We don't share things. And the reason why we often have, time, uh, have difficulty really forming meaningful relationships is because obviously, you know, it's uh, our sin issue, but it really, you know, comes out in different ways. Oftentimes we, have, we may have plenty of acquaintances, but not many true friends and meaningful relationships. It, it, it's because of our shame, because we are oftentimes ashamed of who we are. One of the, the greatest uh, fears that we all have is fear of rejection. I don't know about you, but I am afraid of rejection. Like it took me a long time for me to figure that out. Right, Early on, when I was really younger, I didn't have... What I call true friends. I had a lot of acquaintances. We could hang out, you know, we can go to movies and just uh, watch, you know, just sports games together and all these things. But I felt like I didn't have many people that I could truly call friends. And that's because I had a fear of rejection. I'm wondering if that's something with many of us, right? The question of would. He, would she, or would they accept me if they truly find out what I'm really like? If they really know everything about me, all the dirty laundry or just dark secrets that I have about me, if they find out, will they still accept me? Will they still see me as somebody? Because I've been doing a pretty good job of like projecting certain image about myself to other people because I wanted people... Look, look uh, I wanted people to look at me as someone who was very mature, very, uh, you know, really just a good godly person or something like that. And so there I had always had the fear of rejection. Man, if they, people really find out about me, everything about me, can they really accept me? Can they really love me as who I really am? And so the, the, the root issue for many of us, for, re, uh, for really having a hard time developing meaningful relationships. And this can, you know, even in marriage, this can happen. Can my spouse truly accept me and love me if that person finds out everything about me? And it goes, comes back to the, the issue of really not really knowing the gospel. It comes back to not really believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That in Christ, who has known God who created us, God who created me, who formed me in my mother's womb, who even knows, he even counts the number of hair I had, someone who knows me so intimately, more than me myself. If he knows me, all my dark secrets, flaws, and even motivations that no one else knows, but God knows, And still, knowing all of that, God loved me. God loves me. And He has sent His Son, Jesus. Sacrificed Him on my behalf, in my place, and loved me wholly. That while I was still kicking and screaming and rebelling against Him, He loved me and sent His Son to, to be sacrificed. So when I am accepted, when I when I am fully known by God and yet loved by God. Who am I going to fear? What do I still have carry around this sense of shame and guilt all the time? Sense of condemnation. As if there are still things to that uh, afraid to afraid for people and even for God to find out. As if we can hide things from him. This shame, guilt, fear of rejection, all these things really make us, I think, really shy away from fully being vulnerable and open. I'm not saying, of course, I am not saying that we have to just like rah, everything to, to every, every person that we come in contact with, but at least you know, with our spouses our family members, with friends that God may place, the people that God, has, that God places in our lives that we can't really just be vulnerable to and really just be open to and build meaningful relationships. Right. And in this passage that we just read here, it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, But encourage, uh, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, obviously we're talking about the second coming of Christ, drawing near. We are to do so. We are, we are not to give up meeting together, and here, you know, the the, the meeting here, uh, in, in the original language, it has, you know, it means assembly, right? And it definitely has a uh, the, the the meaning of intentional, a formal meeting. So we're not just simply talking about, hey, let's just hang out at, at Starbucks, right? But it is more than that. It is just an assembly, intentional assembly, a regular assembly of people. More, uh, what uh, Hebrew writer is talking about is more of a. Sunday, you know, worship service, coming together in a formal way and worshiping together. Let us meet. Let, let us not neglect or give up meeting together, but rather we are to stir up one another to love and good works. Right. And here the word "stir up" uh, it uh, means like arouse, right? It means to stimulate. So in our context, it can mean like with one another as body of Christ, that we are to really challenge each other. We are to push each other. We have to inspire each other to, uh, to love and to good works. Right. It's really a, a having that, this team and body concept. So then what happens when we have significant relationship? What happens? What happens is that we would experience God. We will experience God when we come together. As brothers and sisters, when we come together and meet together, worship God together, the first thing that happens is we experience God. Not only simply in our isolation, in in our private times, but when there's a corporate time coming together, we get to experience God. I don't know about you, but, you know, when I am here with fellow brothers and sisters worshiping together and just singing the, the praises together, oh, it just uplifts my spirit. It is one thing, yes, there are times for me too, just in, in, in quietness and in private, singing praises to God. And there is certainly a place for that. But there is also this special place For a corporate worship, people who are like-minded, who have the same Lord, same faith, same baptism, coming together and worshiping God, singing praises to God together, praying for one another, we experience God. In our corporate prayer meetings, in our small groups, we experience God. Because when we gather in His name, there is something special that happens. You know, Mark Dever, he's, uh, uh, you know, just the senior pastor of Capitol Hill Baptist Church in D.C., you know, he was saying because, you know, because of the pandemic, you know, the, the D.C. government um, said, uh, well, you cannot meet. You cannot meet, right? You cannot just, you know, the church, you can have church online, but you cannot meet physically. And then, you know, uh, I haven't really followed up, but, um, you know, they actually, uh, Sue the government, D.C. government, because arguing that, you know, that the, the secular government doesn't have a finer say in defining what a church is or what a church should do, right? He says, and what makes a church a church? It is really the physical gathering of the followers of Christ, in essence. That's what he says. That when... People, when we get gather together, the physical gathering of brothers and sisters coming together in one, one area, one space, together, meeting together, worshiping together. That's what makes a church, a church. Right. And we experience God in community because God Himself is community. All of this idea of like having church, being, being a church, the body of Christ, where does that idea come from? Is that come, is that, does that come from some theologians like early on or anything? Or some like brilliant thinkers that thought about this and maybe this is the best way to do this? To just kind of flourish the church or just Christianity? No. It came from the nature of God himself. Because God himself is community. God is in community because our God is a triune God. One Godhead and three distinct persons. There is only one God. But this is the mystery, right? But in that one Godhead, there is, so in in other words, there is only one God. There is only one divine essence or nature, right? That any view that God is more than one divine essence or nature. That's polytheism. Then we do not believe in three di- uh, different gods. But in that one Godhead, we have three distinct persons. So God the Father is not one-third of a God. God the Son is not a one-third of a God. God the Holy Spirit is not a one-third of a God. Each and every one of, one of them is fully, God, 100% God. And they share that their essence, their nature, is exactly the same. They share the same, right? This one divine essence and the nature is equally shared among these three distinct persons. So God Jesus was not praying to himself when he prayed on earth, to the Father. Jesus when, when, the moment he would open his old father. It was Jesus and then the next time he goes up to the heaven and says, okay, I'm the father now and then I'm receiving the prayer of my son. No, there are three distinct persons. They're not the same person. The, The father is not the son and the son is not the spirit and the spirit is not the father. And yet, all three of them share the same essence, divine essence and their nature. Because they share, fully, share, 100% share this divine essence. I know this is like theological things, but so that means that one, uh, God the Father is not greater than God the Son. And God the Son is not greater than or more important than God the Holy Spirit, right? Because they fully, share, 100% share the same essence and the nature. So there is no one who is superior or more important or creator, right? They're all God. These three distinct persons are all God in one God in essence and nature. And these three persons are united in one divine nature and they exist simultaneously with one another as three distinct persons, right? And they coexist for all eternity. And that's how God revealed himself to us. And yet we do not believe in three, this, uh, three different gods, but in that, uh, three distinct persons and become and, and yet they are in one God, right? And so that is the very nature of who God is. But there is a functional difference between the three, right? The son voluntarily submits himself to the will of the Father. Um, And so in um, Westminster uh, larger catechism says that these three uh, distinct persons are distinguished by what what, what they call their personal properties. And these personal properties, it is proper to the Father to beget the Son, and to the Son to be begotten of the Father, and to the Holy Ghost to proceed from the Father and the Son from all eternity. And they have these different roles and functions, but just to understand who God is Himself, right? Because He reveals Himself to us as God in community, out of the flow of His own nature, that He has created us to be in community. That's why we experience God through corporate worship. When we experience God, when when there is forgiveness. We experience God when we uh, share our lives with each other. What good is the forgiveness, the command to forgive one another when we are in isolation? You You know how easy it is for us to forgive somebody in our own imagination? When we are in isolation, when we do not attend church or we are not part of the church in a community of faith, when the, the Bible commands us to forgive one another as Christ for, has forgiven us. When, you, when we are in isolation, when we are just staying by ourselves, not in contact with, and not having really meaningful relationships with anyone else, it's really easy, right? Because it's just a simple mental exercise. Uh, somebody, a uh, f- uh, faceless, nameless person out there somewhere, forg- forgiving that person who didn't really hurt me it's a mental exercise that doesn't cost me anything because we haven't really received any true offense or like sin or wrongdoings from that person. So we have no issue forgiving, some, forgiving someone who hasn't really offended us, wronged us in any way. But somebody who is living with you, somebody who you see like every Sunday, somebody like your family members, somebody who has really hurt us deeply, To forgive that person? Are you kidding me? That's a totally different story. But that's what God is calling us to do. To be in a community, knowing well that all of us fall short. We have issues. And we hurt each other. We wrong each other. And yet, God calls us to forgive one another. God calls us to love one another. God calls us to extend grace to one another. God calls us to still worship together, even with people who just get under our skin. And when we do so, by the power of the Holy Spirit, when we are able to forgive, extend grace to one another, especially to the people who have hurt us and wronged us, guess what? That's when we experience God. We can only experience God in community. That's how we can really have that. When we have meaningful relationships, we can truly experience God at work. And we also experience, uh, we, uh, when we have meaningful relationships, we enjoy encouragement, Right? as it says, right? Not neglecting to meet together as, as is the habit of some, right? Because if you are in isolation, you have no issue loving a faceless, nameless, just average show somebody out there in our mind. But to love someone in real person, a real person, that is a whole different story, right? And also, we have to encourage one or not. But, but encouraging one another, right? When we have relations, when we are in community of faith, we enjoy encouragement. Let us encourage one another. We live in a tough world, right? It's really a cutthroat environment. right? How we need encouragement from each other. We encourage each other to turn to Christ and trust Him when things seem really bleak, when it seems that there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and still we are called to encourage one another to hang on, trust Christ, continue to hope in Him. When we have meaningful relationships, that can happen. And I think... um, my personal experience has been that the message that really gets across when there is a genuine encouragement, not just like kind of lip service, but when when somebody genuinely encourages me, then you know what I really get uh, with many different ways and things? But the message I get, the message I get is, God is with you. God loves you. And I'm here for you. I believe in you. There are times when I get really discouraged over the years in, in ministry and things. And there are times when God, you know, when I'm like really like discouraged and down, uh, down and I'm like, oh, should I even stay in ministry? Maybe I should just flip burgers at, you know, just uh, uh, you know, Burger King or something, right? Just thinking about just maybe just calling it quits or things. When those like, you know, dark moments Somehow God just brings incredible, just timing is just impeccable. And then just even from people that I do not even expect, and I, I receive encouragements. And oftentimes I don't really remember, uh, trying to uh, think, think back. I don't know what exactly what they said, but the, the, what I really got from it is that I'm here for you. Okay? And God is with you. Hold on. Do not give up. And these words can mean a lot when we are in trouble, when we go through difficult times. When we have significant relationships, we get to, encourage, we get to enjoy the encouragement coming from people who care for us. And uh, last thing is we enrich others. We enrich others. We experience God. And we, um, you know, enjoy encouragement when we are in a community and when we are in, have meaningful relationships and we enrich others, right? Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 and 10 says, two are, better, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Wow, that sounds very... Contemporary, and yet, it's from the Scripture. Right. Pity the man who falls down and has no one to help him up. We learn from each other. You know, when we are in a healthy, meaningful relationship, uh, when we uh, have healthy, meaningful relationships, then it really just brings out the best in us. Right. As the iron sharpens the iron. And when I say it brings out the best in us, it also means that these relationships, relationships can really stretch us, right, challenge us. And it's like that. I have a, I have a couple friends that I've been friends with since college, and they happen to be in ministry. Um, so every week we, we call. We used to meet, but then uh, one of them just left uh, to be serving uh, elsewhere in, uh, elsewhere and so we now just have conference call or just zoom in. These days we are just zoomed out so we you know just like call simply call. But they really challenge me too as I just share you know, my struggles, you know just the things that I'm really things that are bottled up inside and things like that. They help me. Right. To just at times they just challenge me to think about things. Is it really how is that really the reality, right? Hearing from them as I just go, oh, this is what happened, this is blah, blah, blah. But then they're like, is it really reasonable for you to feel that or think that way? And there was a time, like many, many years ago, when I was just like so impaired. Uh, my emotion was running so high and uh, very upset. Uh, there was a long period of time. And they were just, every week, they would say, Wujin, you got to calm down, man. You just have to calm down. And think about this. And just, I'm like, what do you, and then I, sometimes I don't appreciate, right, that they don't say, oh, you know, I hear you, everything's gonna be, right. but truly really just challenge me. But right, it helps, right? Pushes me. So, because they care about me, right? We enrich others when we are in significant relationships, when we put a bunch of sinners. Together, like you and me, conflicts are bound to happen. But when we resolve conflicts in a way that is biblical and in a God-honoring honor, God way, and as we learn to be patient, and as we looked at in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and to love one another, that it will really stretch us, and we will become more like Christ in our conformity to His likeness. It will be more and more. I think when it comes to our own character and even in our faith and our spiritual formation, right, we really need one another to help pray for one another, to encourage one another, rebuke one another, challenge each other, push one another, spurring one another to love and good works. And this is the kind of community that God is calling us. And this is the kind of community that we want to aim at, at embrace, right? That's why we, every. I know uh, oftentimes people don't really listen, tune out during the announcements time, but we always still say, encourage people, please be part of a small group, especially in a time like this. I know many of us are just like tired of it, tired of it, but it's so important in our spiritual walk with the Lord because there are times we just cannot go on on our own. Wouldn't it be really wonderful when we are struggling that there are people who we have built relationships with, people who care for us, people who, who would uh, pray for us and intercede for us, that we can turn to them? Would you share my burdens? It's just too much for me to bear. I am depressed. I am really apathetic right now. I just don't feel like praying. I don't feel like doing anything. Would you come alongside and help me carry the burden? And that's what a small group is for. So it is my prayer for all of us to really understand, uh, to be in this relationship, uh, this redeeming relationships, uh, meaningful relationships. And this is not going to happen automatically. It will not fall on our laps. To open our hearts, once again, to embrace the gospel. And as we do so, may we uh, form relationships. People are around us. God has already placed people in our lives that we can really build solid, God-honoring relationships with. Look around you. People around you can very, may well be the people. Let us not remain in isolation or give up, or neglecting to meet together, but to continue to press on in this, uh, as we face a new year. May that be our mindset and approach. Let's pray. Father, we turn to you at this time. We thank you for your grace and mercy, uh, that even in difficult times that you still watch over us, you lead us, and you work, you orchestrate everything even in ways that we do not see or understand, but you are in control, you are still at work. And Lord, in our desperation, Lord, we call out to you. Come, rescue us, deliver us from our misery, from our hopelessness, for you are our only hope. And as we seek to spur one another to love and to good works, and continue to meet, endeavor endeavor to meet and to worship you together as a body of Christ. May May we experience you. May we really encourage one another. May we draw closer to you and to each other to share the burden and to enrich one another for your glory's sake. And Father, we also pray for some of us who are really just going through difficult times at the moment we have people whose parents are very ill and sick lord help them to under, help them to understand that they are not alone but that we have brothers and sisters praying for them pray for those of us who are really going through tough times in whatever the relationships that they may be in, that they are not alone. So encourage and provide hope to those who feel hopeless. To those, some of us, who are physically ill, those of us who are still looking for jobs, we also pray for them. Lord, come to their rescue, meet their needs, If the birds of the air are taken care of by you, how much more would you take care of your children? So allow us, Lord, to once again put our trust in you. Help us to take our eyes off of the mountain set before us, but to see beyond a God who is far greater than the mountain that we face at the moment. Draw us nearer to you.